And we welcome you into the best podcast available. I'm Jason Gibbs. No Andrew Gribble this week. Slacker, as we like to say in the business. <laughs> He's out on business. He is, he is on business, and he is on assignment, doing heavy-duty work, uh, making the $8.10 an hour yes, as opposed to the rest of us. I'm Jason Gibbs, sitting in this week, Nick Shook, uh, our new Browns digital content provider uh, well title is coordinator but I coordinator? Think externally i'm staff writer staff so writer that's more understandable i think yeah we're and in every week i'm like what am i what am i calling nick this week 10 10 years doing? ago it was like the department of new media and no one really knew what that new media was but it was new and it was media yeah well i mean you, you do a lot of different things from appearances on browns daily and I, i'm sure the radio network as we get into the season here and um, you know, between your writing and you've got some great stuff coming up uh, in the next day or two that I think people are definitely going to want to read when it comes to some of the new guys we have brought on board. Yep. But also uh, a guy that knows quite a bit about the NFL draft, and we are two weeks away from the 2019 NFL draft. Hard to believe already we're halfway through the month of April. That's true, and also let's not sell ourselves short. I think we're uh, two of the region's more f- favorite Tall and nearly bald or completely bald guys? I'm in denial. I know. It's okay. <laughs> Fight it. Fight it as long as you want. Uh, you know what? It, it's funny because my, my stepdaughters will say something, and I said, you know, you're the reason for this. Yeah. It is your fault. Like, this is not my fault. I used to blame it on, on a, a former significant other. Well, there's that but, too. No, it's freedom now. You know, yeah. That's in the past, and, and I've embraced the razor. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Every four to five days, you gotta you got to take it to it because I can still grow hair pretty much everywhere else and just not in these gaps, these power alleys right here. Yeah. I got the state of Florida going on in my head. And so, and you can't, you got to hide that because <laughs> after a few days, it shows up. And, yeah. Yeah, it just be, looked very dirty. This is episode nine of the best podcast available coming up on the show today. Uh, you'll hear from one of the best in the business when it comes to breaking down the draft. Dane Brugler with a seven round mock draft. He has every pick for the Browns. He has every pick for every team. It's out now at the athletic.com website. Uh, he joins Nathan Zagura for about a 20-minute sit-down to talk about the mock, talk about the Browns, talk about quarterbacks, whatever you might want to know about the 2019 NFL Draft. Dane Brugler, uh, a popular and very good at what he does draft expert, sitting down with Nathan today on the BPA. Yeah, and tireless. Uh, you know, a lot we were talking about, you know, a lot of people can do a one round, the first round mock draft because, you know, you got the names that, you know, you, you got, you know, 32, 35, maybe 40 guys. That's not too many guys to, to have on the top of your head. You know, the school, you know, the position, you might know a little bit of their playing history. The average football fan could probably do a little bit of that, especially if they piggyback off of somebody else. But then you go beyond that. You go into rounds two and three. Well, that's some things get a little bit dicey. Dane goes to all seven rounds. I don't know how he actually sleeps or stays awake. He's got to be sleep-deprived right now. Not only was he doing the seven-round mock, but, oh, by the way, he's got his draft guide that we're all anxiously awaiting for. It is the draft Bible. The Bible. And we're all waiting for it. So he's trying to get that done while do a seven-round mock draft and carve out about 20 minutes of time to talk to Nathan Zagura. I mean, he's a man of the people. He's a man of the NFL draft. It's as popular as ever, and, uh, and he's right at the forefront. Speaking of numbers, as we get into this week's headlines, 23 prospects will be at night one of the draft. Uh, the highest-ranked prospects not slated to attend, Mississippi State defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons, 
NC State center Garrett Bradbury. One notable absence from the list, Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins. So today Ryan Day said that Dwayne never planned on going to the draft, even if he was invited, which we don't know if he was invited. So it is still a surprise. That would make more sense. He doesn't necessarily seem like the type to embrace the spotlight. Uh, maybe he wants to spend it with his family. He's had a unique journey, I think, to you know, from being at a, at a camp when he was a kid at Ohio State, all the way to, uh, to to going to Ohio State, starring there, setting you know a Big Ten passing touchdown record, and all in a short amount of time. So I can understand if he wanted to spend this time with his family. He's going to be a first round pick. I mean, you yeah. know, he's going to get taken. The big question, obviously, is where he's going to go, which. It continues to blow my mind that people have him falling. It's weird. He's he's one of the more polarizing prospects for, I think, all the, the – I don't know if I would say the right reasons, but no bad reason. It's just that some people don't like his style of play and some people are in love with him. I tend to be toward the latter. Uh, I think he's got a great arm. I think he showed a lot in his lone season as Ohio State's starter. Is he – Kind of rough under pressure, yes. If you get consistent pressure to him, he's going to falter. He does airmail some throws. Uh, those are, the, I think, some of the big knocks on him. He's not super mobile, and that's fine because you you know, you know want your guy to extend the play, but you don't need him to run around the NFL. This is not Pat White you know, uh, trying to make the NFL when he was back at West Virginia. It's not, this is nothing like that. This is, this is a guy who's got a cannon for an arm, who's accurate at most depths. Every once in a while, he'll miss a throw. I think he's got a very high ceiling, and I, I don't see why you would not want to take him. I definitely don't see why you would want to take somebody like Drew Locke over him. That's that's where I was going. Are, is he is he going to be – well, I don't know if he's going to be better, but would you take him over Drew Locke? No, I would not. You would not take him over Drew Locke? Oh, oh sorry. No, I would take Dwayne over <laughs> would, Drew would, Locke. Would yes, you take yes, Haskins over yeah. Daniel Jones? Yeah, yes, definitely. The only guy maybe you wouldn't, is Kyler Murray, and I think you can make an argument no, that you should take him over Kyler Murray. I would Murray. take Dwayne over Kyler Murray. I would, too. That's not what's going to happen, but I would. Because <laughs> Kyler is a very, very good athlete, and he was a joy to watch at Oklahoma. I mean, just an absolute blast. But I worry about his longevity and how he'll adjust to the intricacies of the pro game. And it's nothing to do with his intelligence or anything like that. It's just more to do with a lot of the throws he made in Oklahoma's very, you know, widespread offense were kind of pre-snap read-driven and not something that you adjusted to on the fly, in part because he's short. I mean, you know, you roll him out and you get him away from that sometimes, yeah, but a lot of times he's throwing because he trusts his receiver to sure. get to this certain spot and that it's going to be open based on his read, which is great. Works great in college, but, uh, you know, over the course of an NFL career it might be a little bit more difficult, so that's why I'm not on board with him. Alonzo Highsmith walking by. The, uh, the war room just down the hall from us here in Berea, and the guy's taking a little bit of a breather. Uh, you take a look real quick, if we can set the table here. Yeah. This is where all the scouts are back. You know, basically, your pro days are just about done. You've got guys coming in for individual meetings, but this is the point in the game where you're really starting to finalize that draft board. Oh, yeah, and I'll tell you what. You get a little bit of a glimpse of that draft board over there. It is loaded with magnets. A lot of prospects <laughs> there, on that board. Yeah. I don't know who's providing the magnets, but uh, clearly uh, your stock is going up. Office Max? Yeah. Or is that Office Depot now? I don't know what it is. <laughs> There's plenty of magnets. There's a lot of <laughs> magnets on that board, and there are a lot of names on that board. Speaking of names, you know, 23 guys that are going to be on this uh, attending uh, night one of the 2019 NFL draft. And, 
most of them I, I think get taken. Is there a name or two out there that you think maybe is still sitting around in that famous green room and has to come back on Friday? Uh, uh, probably Marquise Hollywood Brown. Uh, he might not go in the first round. I know uh, Dane's mock didn't have him going in the first round. Or maybe it was at the end of the first round. I can't remember. But I know there was a receiver who went ahead of him, A.J. Brown, uh, unrelated. And I think he's got a chance. You know, there are some people who, you know, wouldn't be all that surprised if if uh, if there were only a few receivers or so. It's not a very strong class in that position. You know, D.K. Metcalf seems to be at the front. I'm not a big fan of his. Neither is Gribble. We've no, he's this. not. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I think Hollywood Brown might not end up going – because the linebacker class is so thin, Devin White and Devin Bush will both be gone for sure. Uh, and then you go down this list. Your tight ends will go. Christian Wilkins. He's, he'll be near kind of that area. The tight ends will go uh, for the most part. Yeah, because you don't see a guy like Irv Smith on this list. No, I think the majority of these guys will go. 23 is a lot. Like, you're really not giving yourself much breathing room. No, you don't want to be that guy waiting, but 23 people – I mean, I, I think most of these guys end up going. Um, Andre I, I, Dillard has flown up the charts. DeAndre lately. Baker? Yeah, Baker's another one I think maybe. He's he's a fringe guy. The thing is, is it's not very strong at corner either. But, but you know, talking about Dane's mock, uh, there wasn't a corner picked before 27 yeah. in, that, in his mock. And you've got, you've got Greedy Williams here. You've got DeAndre Baker. You don't have my guy. You know who my guy is, Byron Murphy. Yes. I think he'll be better than both of them. But, yeah, that's another one that could run the risk. But, you know, we're going to see these defensive linemen go. We're going to see these tackles go. You know, like I said, uh, uh, Dillard has had a very good pre-draft process. And I think a lot of people don't get to see Washington State play football, so they don't get to see this guy a lot. But they were passing a lot, you know, in Mike Leach's offense. And uh, he did a very good job in the past blocking game. He's a really smart kid, and he's very, very honed in on – what he wants to improve and where to look for it. You know, he's, he said at the combine, he spends a ton of time on YouTube looking up, you know, all pro tackles and watching just the finer parts of their technique. Tyron Smith's one he liked to watch, you know, he, a bunch of them. And uh, so I think a lot of people have been impressed by that. I was very impressed when we were at the combine and got to talk to him. So, but yeah, I think most of these guys will be gone, but it's a lot. It is a there's lot. There's a lot there. And I think there's some room for wiggle on quarterback too. I do. Uh, it, as weird as that sounds, because last year was the year of the quarterback. Sure. You know, we had, Five guys go right. This year, you've got three on this list right here. You got you got Kyler, you got Drew Locke, and you got Daniel Jones. Are all three gonna go? Probably, but there's a chance that one team goes a different direction. Now the Giants have two picks, so they'll probably go quarterback at some point. I think it was a little bit more of a risk beforehand, but a lot of these teams in the NFL have either their current starter or a younger guy. So you know that they that they believe in that they think is their franchise quarterback. Thanks in part to last year's draft. So it's gonna be interesting in that position. All right, you talked about wide receivers and how many might go, how many might not go. I found this tweet interesting from NFL Network draft guru Daniel Jeremiah, and I want to know what you make of this. He says, I wouldn't be surprised if only one wide receiver went in the first round. Two tweets later, he said, and that wide receiver would be Hollywood Brown. Right. Which I think he has the biggest, big, the best big play potential. He really flashes on film. He's very fast. He's athletic. He can make the sweet catch. He's got good hands, and he also has a year of film with Baker Mayfield, which made a lot of people, you know, get a little in tune with how he plays. I think the only thing holding him back right now is that foot injury, which he had surgery on and is recovering from. Is it Liz Frank or Liz Frank? How do you say it? I always say Liz Frank. We're gonna go with Liz Frank. 
Yeah. Take the Cleveland A. Perfect. Frank. Yep. Yeah. We'll go exactly. with that. Hard yeah, A. Exactly. Yeah, hard A. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I think he should, he's probably, if I had to build this board out and could take that injury out of consideration, he would be ahead of DK Metcalf. I think he's probably the most talented receiver. But I just think it's a weird year where we might not get one. I think it would be a very weird year if you saw Haskins fall into the teens and if DK Metcalf, who had so much buzz at the combine, at his pro day, oh, yeah. at all of his workouts, because he's a freak, not go in the first round. That and I know we're not sold on him oh, in this room. That's wild. But think about where that guy was in the middle of January. You know why I don't believe that that'll happen? Why I do think he'll go in the first round? Because for every pair of us, there's an Al Davis, may he rest in peace, who's going to pick Darius Hayward Bay. And I think there's a GM out there who's going to just be fall in love with the, the measurables, the size, and the fact that he can go after the deep ball. He doesn't have the rest of the route tree under control, but yeah, we'll coach him up. We'll teach him that in the NFL because this is a rare combination and somebody's going to take him. That's just what always happens. I would think so as well. Someone, like you said, the first thought that comes to mind is the Raiders. Yeah. You know, if anybody's going to be intrigued by a guy, a physical specimen, it's going to be the Raiders. Yeah. No question yep. about it. All right, Jeremiah adds this in uh, in Twitter world. He does a quick QB landing spot game. He said Arizona Murray, the Giants Jones, Cincinnati Haskins, the Chargers with Locke, and Washington with Rosen. Ah, yes, we throw in the fifth, the wild card, the trade yes. of Josh Rosen. All of those make sense except Locke to the Chargers. Now, the, the Haskins to Cincinnati thing was part of Dane's mock, and that raised an eyebrow, too, and I guess that's gaining a lot of steam. That that started last week when Charles Davis had Haskins right. going to Cincinnati. And isn't it funny how this is – it's all just a game of – okay, you're going to put this out? Oh, you know what? That does sound right. I'm going to follow the suit with that. <laughs> it's so funny how this happens. But that does make some sense. If he's there at 11, you're Cincinnati. You lost Andy Dalton last year. And your first year without A.J. McCarron as your backup, once hailed a potential savior to another franchise, uh, and you realize that uh, we don't have anything back there. Yeah, you know, you give uh, their backup, you know, credit for what he did in, in the time that he played. The, the kid from uh, from Florida and then from Louisiana Tech, his name escapes me at the moment. Um, but that's not the answer. And I, and I think they also see down the road that Andy Dalton and the Bengals could – you know, hit the fork and go in their opposite direction, especially under a new coach, Zach Taylor. I could see this making more sense to where he spends his first year on the bench. I don't think he's a guy who needs that first year on the bench. I think some guys no. do. I don't think that guy is Dwayne Haskins. So perhaps it's a luxury of sorts for the Bengals to make this pick, but that was a little bit of a surprise. I think the biggest surprise there, though, would be, you know, Drew Locke to the Chargers. Phillip Rivers is not getting any younger. We get that. But, A, he's got to be there. And B, Tom Telesco has to like Drew Locke's ability enough to take him instead of potentially, you know, addressing that down the road. It's a nice succession plan, but I think succession plans, as HBO has demonstrated with their hit television show, are often more idealistic than they are realistic. And I think that's what we're looking at with uh, this matching game here with the Chargers. So I'm also looking at the Bengals in 2019 – uh, Andy well, Dalton's due $16 million, Yep. And he's due 17 and a half in 2020. What is the out on that? What's the dead cap in 2020? Actually, none for this year or next year. So they can just cut bait. Now, so if they you wouldn't wanted do it to go, Yeah, if you wanted to go get Haskins, you let him sit for a year. And then you cut Andy Dalton and you move yep. on. 
and you don't have to pay him that seventeen five. Right. And that's how you stay under the cap, and that's how you keep your franchise moving forward. In typical Mike Brown fashion. Yes, exactly. No question about yeah. it. He's Nick Shook. I'm Jason Gibbs. This is the best podcast available. We're going over the headlines of the day. Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay with three-round mocks in the past 24 hours. Mel has the Browns taking uh, Nasser Adderley, safety out of Delaware. I'm sure I've mispronounced it. Might be Nasir. Nasir. All right, we'll go with that. Greg Little, the offensive tackle to Mississippi, uh, out of Mississippi in round number three. And uh, for Todd McShay, now in his mock, his mock was titled How to Get an A for Your Draft. And this is who he had the Browns (laughs) taking if they wanted to get an A from him. Uh, In round two, he had Justin Lane, the defensive back out of Michigan State. And in round three, Michael Jordan, the guard from one Ohio State. So two Big Ten guys. Uh, your first thoughts when looking at both of these? Well, first off, McShay's uh, mock title is extremely pretentious. But I also <laughs> give him credit for you know, going out on a limb and saying, this is it right here. This is the guide. This is the study guide. You do this, you'll get an A for yeah. me at least. It's funny. Uh, I guess we'll work backwards here. Justin Lane tweeted that he wants the Browns to come get him in the second round. Uh, when I talked to him at the Combine, he was very proud of the fact he was from Cleveland. He didn't really sound like he enjoyed living in Michigan very much. Which no. I, it was just very interesting because most guys are like, yeah, I love my college campus. I had a great time. He didn't really talk about it. And there was a, a, a reporter from the Lions, Tori Petrie. She was asking him questions about, you know, what do you love about East Lansing? What do you love about Michigan? He was like, not much. <laughs> like, I like the food spot that I go, I go to, but otherwise I don't really like anything. I was like, wow, this is interesting. You're not pulling any punches. Right. This guy might really want to come home and play for the Browns. I think it would make sense at that position um, in terms of, you know, they need to get some depth. As you know, any team that's going to be playing deep into the season needs many corners. Uh, We saw that last year with how, you know, injuries forced the Browns to go in a different direction and and bring some guys in, you know, kind of off the street to – you know, dress and play sure. later in the season when you had a lot of those injuries happen at once. Terrence Mitchell was one of them, you know, with a broken arm. And, uh, and you know, T.J. Carey was out as well. Uh, E.J. Gaines missed a lot of time. And so, you know, this, is a, this makes sense. Michael Jordan at guard. Michael Jordan has played pretty much every position on the offensive line in Ohio State in his career. Very versatile. Um, probably is better on the outside than he is on the inside. It's either one or the other. I always mix that one up. Um I like that. I like I like that mock. I wouldn't necessarily give him an A for that. There are some concerns about Justin Lane. Uh, he didn't run as fast as people expected him to, or at least as he talked. It wasn't super slow, but I like that mock. Will Lane be there at 49? I, I guess that's the question that comes to my mind when I read that. I think in uh, Dane's uh, mock, I think he was gone at 46, just ahead. Okay. And so that would... You know, it's that range. It's that range, and a couple Cleveland kids are in that range. Lane was at forty-six. Draymond Jones, a defensive tackle from Ohio State, he was at fifty. Sure. So if the Browns have their choice of those two guys, I think you can't go wrong with either of them. Do they both happen to be from the Big Ten? Yes, but I think they both address you know some areas of depth that the Browns could use, and I think they'd be good picks either way. the The Kuiper one is a little interesting to me because Adderley is a guy you kind of heard about more because he came onto the scene at the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, he's, he's listed as a safety. I think I want to say he played corner in college, but he projects as a safety in the NFL. And, um, it, it just, it makes you wonder after the moves that John Dorsey has made in the last couple of weeks, 
acquiring Eric Murray, signing Morgan Burnett. Obviously, you want some depth, but at the same time, could that be spent elsewhere? I would like to see how his mock shakes out and who is available at 49 because that re- I think that really has a lot to do with how you make these picks is also letting the draft come to you and then figuring out do I need to move up to get this guy am I not going to be able to address a position of need if I don't move up or can I let it come to me and then have a pick from a few guys I think in in McShay's situation or in Dane's mock draft where you're talking about you know, what we said about Lane and, and Jones being there those are two really good options whereas maybe in in Kuiper's mock draft none of those guys or maybe my own personal favorite were there now Greg Little's I guess uh, descent to the third round has been very interesting this is a guy who many people thought would be the number one tackle taken in the draft early on didn't have a great combine second straight year where a guy's lost some value in the combine Uh, last year was Orlando Brown Jr. but in the third round seems like that would be some pretty good value and you got to remember Greg Robinson's in a one-year deal that's not entirely stable. Even if he plays well, it's not entirely stable yet. Well, and you and you still don't know entirely what you have in Desmond Harrison. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. The only guy you have locked up right now is Chris Hubbard at right tackle. And the way that contract structures, too, is it's not really locked up through five. It's more locked up through three. So you need to look down the road. The draft is the way you do that. The draft is also if – if you draft well, you can stand or cap. You can remain competitive, especially in this window with Baker being on a rookie contract. You don't have to pay your quarterback big money. It helps you do a lot of other things, address a lot of other areas. They're on that path right now, and I think you know, drafting a tackle for depth with the potential to become a starter is an extremely wise move, so I do like that aspect of Kuiper's mock draft. But again, it's super interesting how just you, you go from mock draft to mock, mock draft, and they're all over the place. All over. It's, it's, a, it's a big crapshoot. It really is. Yeah. A, an educated crapshoot. Well, we won't really have any idea until Thursday night at about midnight when the first <laughs> round ends. Because yeah. then, then you go, okay, here are the top 20 guys. We're going to end up with one of these 20. Wasn't that so weird last year when we ended round one and we knew going into round two that we would be on the clock first? And we got an entire night to think, who are, who are they going to take? Who, who, which which direction are they going to go? Look at this guy. Look at this guy. You go here. This guy's you go great. here. You go here. And then Austin Corbett's name comes across, and everyone's like, "What?" What? And, and I'm I'm fist pumping from my direction just because you know that's my area is the offensive line. I loved him. I loved his tape. I think he's got violent hands. And uh, yeah, that was a big victory in my corner. And uh, we'll see how he plays this year. But it's just funny how that plays out. Is Adderley too much? Like Demarius Randall at the safety spot. I, I know that they want ball hawking safeties, both both of them, but is he too close to what Randall already is? I think it when you look at the safety position right now, there is not quite as much of a distinction between free and strong as there used to be. And I think that sometimes confuses some people in the type of position that that person might play. Now Morgan Burnett, you know, is gonna play strong, right? Eric Murray more of a free safety, but it, depending on who you ask, they would swap the two. So Really, when you look at Adderley, it, he's going to be making a switch anyway. You can't be too much like Demarius Randall because Demarius Randall is a good football player, and Demarius Randall is going to be in line for an extension very soon, and it's an earned extension. And it was a good trade last year to bring him in from Green Bay. And so it wouldn't be bad if you had two of them. I just think that in the second round you might want to go elsewhere based on how the talent in this draft uh, stacks up. All right, and speaking of mocks, we will talk about Dane Brugler's mock draft, the whole seven-round mock, in a little bit more detail. But right now, uh, Nathan Zagura, the Z that stands for Zagura, had a chance to sit down with the draft guru himself in Dane Brugler. You can check out all of Dane's work. Log on today, theathletic.com, and uh, subscribe today. He does fantastic work. 
He's also a great follow on Twitter because he breaks down a number of guys and tweets positives and negatives about each. His draft guide is coming out. He is one of the best in the business. He was kind enough to give us 20 minutes of his time. It's a fantastic interview. Have a listen. Dane, how are you? Doing great. It's always uh, good to hop on with you guys. Hard to believe we're uh, two weeks in the draft already. I don't know what's harder to believe, that the draft's only two weeks away or that for the first time in forever, the Browns do not have a pick, let alone multiple picks, in the first round. It's certainly a changeup. And, you know, at first it was, oh, wow, we don't, don't have a pick in the top ten. And now it's the only pick in the first round. And, but i tell you what, you know, it, it doesn't mean you can just be on cruise control on, uh, on the first night of the draft. Just, you never know with Mr. Dorsey. If uh, the right player starts creeping down uh, that draft board and he's still available, you just never know. All right, let's just start with kind of, I know you just released at The Athletic, uh, a seven-round, all 254 picks. It's your mock draft, 5.0. And let's just talk about first round. I know the Browns don't have a pick, but risers, fallers, from what you're hearing right now, who are some of the hot names coming up the draft boards and maybe who are some of the guys coming down the draft boards? Yeah, with the... Respect to the quarterback, you know, the quarterbacks are the toughest thing to really peg. And, you know, it's funny because before going into the combine, Kyler Murray was kind of the wild card. You know, where's Kyler going to go? And now Kyler is pretty set at number one. At least that's how we feel going, uh, you know, two weeks away. And Dwayne Haskins is the wild card of the first round. Uh, You know, does he fall out of the top ten? Is he, instead of being the second quarterback or, or the first, is he now the third quarterback drafted, maybe the fourth? Uh, you know, there's just so many different uh, wide-ranging opinions throughout the league on Dwayne Haskins. And so, you know, with, we know with these quarterbacks, it just takes, uh, you know, I, I, the, or, uh, beauty in the eye of the beholder, and it just takes the right fit. So it's really going to be interesting with Dwayne Haskins where he ends up. I pegged him at number 11 uh, to the Bengals in my seven-round mock draft. I think that'd be a great fit for him, uh, you know, going to a franchise with a young offensive-minded head coach and Zach Taylor. Uh, you know, Andy Dalton's entrenched as a starter. Doesn't, you know, Haskins won't be pushed into the mix right away. Chance to sit and develop at his own pace. Uh, but these quarterbacks are going to be the really the, the toughest part of the first round to peg. Uh, and not only Haskins, but Daniel Jones, uh, Drew Locke. Where do these guys go? Uh, any of them getting the top 10, I think all four are going to go somewhere in the top 20. It's just going to be tough to figure out exactly where. Well, listen, and from the Browns' perspective, get all those quarterbacks drafted before the Browns pick at 49 to try to maybe make that pick a little bit more exciting and enticing uh, for the Browns. Uh, Before we get to what the Browns do or what you have the Browns doing, I want to ask you about Ed Oliver because he was a guy that for so long everybody thought was, you know, for sure a top 10 pick. And then, you know, in the initial, everybody's not maybe yours, but a lot of the Mach 1.0s that came out a long time ago, he was falling into the 20s. In fact, he was available for the Browns at 17 when the Browns had that pick in many. And now it's seems like he's consensus back in the top 10 so as somebody who gets to talk to talent evaluators all the time what what happened and is was that more of just media perception whereas the teams always had him there in that top 10 it's just tough when you talk about Ed Oliver because it's scheme fit is so important with him uh because he's a little undersized and it's not just the weight uh, you know 287 he was 281 at the pro day his playing weight's likely in the high 270s it's not just that but the lack of length uh, only 34, 31 three-quarter inch arms. And that's just not going to be for everybody. And so finding the the right fit for Ed Oliver is a little bit of a daunting task. And in my mock, I had him going to the Giants. They've shown a lot of interest in him. 
you know, they run a 3-4, but they like to mix it up with their personnel. Um, you know, I think they'll run a lot of four-man fronts, and they'll figure out a way to use at Oliver. Um, but it's just finding the right scheme fit is really the, the key when you project at Oliver. So uh, more so than the talent, it's just trying to find that fit. And so I think it's still very possible he goes in the top ten, but I think it's just possible that he falls into the early teens just because, again, it's about fit and not everybody's willing to uh, move their defense around to fit the player. And you know, whether that's right or wrong, that's just kind of how it is. And so if, when it's all said and done, I think Ed Oliver will be somewhere in the top ten, but it, it's not a lock. And it really comes down to the size. And, you know, he's not, he's not Aaron Donald. You know, we know right. that. He's not that type of pass rusher. And so, you know, will he get better uh, rushing the passer in terms of, uh, you know, more moves and, you know, become more uh, developed in that area using his hands? Uh, he's just, you know, in the AAC, that playing at Houston, he's so energetic, so aggressive that, you know, that quickness was able to beat defender or blockers just based on uh, that energetic style. And in the NFL, it's not going to be quite that easy. He's going to add a little more nuance to his game. And he's still very young, very, very young. He's just turned 21 years old. So, you know, he's going to develop. It's just going to take the right fit for him to be put in the right spot. All right, talking with Dane Brugler, NFL draft expert for The Athletic. And by the way, you know it's the Draft Bible, his guide coming out soon. The only way to get it is with a subscription to The Athletic where you'll get all of Dane's coverage and really all of their great coverage of all sports uh, around this great country. All right, Dane, let's talk from the Browns' perspective. You're sitting in John Dorsey's chair. You've made the moves. Vernon's here. Richardson's here. Odell Beckham is here. Kareem Hunt is here. You've re-signed Greg Robinson. You've signed Morgan Burnett, traded for Eric Murray. Where do you see the biggest needs still remaining for this football team? Yeah, I think uh, you know John's done a nice job of, uh, filling the bigger needs, um, and it comes down to, you know, where do you want to address depth first? And I think that's where you can really let the board come to you. You don't have to make, you know, uh, any snap decisions. You don't have to reach for a player or a certain position. Uh, you know, they can focus on, in, in, in my opinion, the offensive line and the secondary. That's where I want depth. Um, you know, you mentioned re-signing Greg Robinson. It's only a one-year deal. You never know long-term. Uh, you know, Harrison, uh, undrafted free agent from last year, is he going to be in the long-term mix? You can never have too many offensive linemen. And so if I can find an offensive lineman in the second round, bring him on, bring, add him to my team, and, you know, we'll develop him. And, you know, he can have a prominent uh, position moving forward. Uh, it just won't be as a rookie. Just it'll be depth immediately and a starter down the road. And then in the secondary corner, and I still think safety, is uh, is a neat area. It's an area that you can address. So uh, in my mock draft at 49, Taylor Rapp from Washington, uh, you know, maybe a first-rounder uh, when we initially started this process, now could be in the middle of the second round, running a 4.78 at a 40-yard dash. Uh, you know, that's something that a lot of teams, they're not going to draft a 4.78 safety in the first round, maybe in the top 40. And for teams in the middle of the second round, they're pumping their fists because it's a talent like Taylor Rapp who's so instinctive so tough, so competitive, maybe he falls to the mid-second round. And if I'm the Browns at 49, I'm not letting him get past my pick. I think he'd be a great addition to that secondary. So Taylor Rapp, you go safety there. And I think the theme is, at least when I think about this football team, defense, especially in the backfield, maybe at the linebacker position as well. You move into the third round for the Cleveland Browns and you continued to attack that secondary. 
Yeah, it was a guy that uh, was initially at Ohio State. Uh, then he had some knee issues, goes to Auburn. Um, it, really, the biggest thing with Dean, uh, Jamel Dean from Auburn, uh, is is he healthy, and that's with the knees. He's been healthy the last two years at Auburn, but you're talking about a big, big corner, 6'1", 206. Anyway, a 4-3-0 at the Combine, really athletic player. Uh, you know, he's a guy that it's pure upside because you're talking about a big athlete who can run, he can cover, he's tough, he'll tackle. And so you add him to the mix, uh, you know, a bigger corner, had some length to him, uh, 31 three-quarter inch arms. I think that's a steal in the third round. He might not get to that point. But if he's there in the mid-third round, Jamel Dean, I think it would be a great addition to that secondary. Yeah, and, and I think that that's a lot of people would agree for the Browns right now. You, you obviously, another safety in the mix, although you got Burnett here, but somebody for a long-term plan there. And that's kind of been the John Dorsey MO to bring in a veteran and then still draft somebody at that same position, uh, a cornerback as well. And then you get to the offensive line here uh, in the fourth round for the Cleveland Browns. I think a lot of people think it would make sense for them to bring in another developmental tackle alongside Desmond Harrison. Right. In the fourth round, out, I'm going Dennis Daly from South Carolina, who a uh, two-year starter at South Carolina at left tackle, uh, 6'5", 317, uh, moves okay, uh, does a nice job with his length, uh, but in, he's light-footed uh, for a guy that size, smooth hips, um, but he's not afraid to get physical. He's got a nice swipe move uh, in the run game. He'll engulf, he'll move uh, defenders heavy-handed. Um, he, he tends to kind of overset at times, and that's where his balance gets a little off kilter. But I thought he did a nice job at the Senior Bowl, uh, had a, a good week uh, down in Mobile, and he's a guy that when you watch uh, his tape, he there's a lot of you know worthy tape that you can watch because he faced a murderer's row with Clemson and Cleveland Farrell, Florida, Chai Polite, Kentucky, Josh Allen. And for the most part, he held his own. He had some struggles with Josh Allen at Kentucky, but for the most part, he held his own and showed – that, hey, I, I've got some next-level talent. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that, for the next level, you bring him in, developmental swing tackle, and I think by year two, you have a guy that's ready to push for starting reps. Which is exactly what you want. You can improve that depth. That's what you do here at this section of the draft. You move in the fifth round. This is where the Browns have three picks. And correct me if I'm wrong, but don't a lot of people think that this draft is, is more stacked in the middle rounds than maybe it is at the top of this draft? Yeah, I think that's fair, and especially with some of these guys that test really well and, you know, that's going to push some uh, maybe some non-testers into the middle rounds, um, you know, where you're still getting a good football player but maybe just didn't test as well at the combine or pro day. And then also you have some guys who uh, were a little bit off the radar but then tested really well throughout the process. They'll get mixed or pushed up into that, those middle round ranges. And, you know, for the three fifth-round picks, I'm going defense with the first two with Kingsley Kiki from Texas A&M. Uh, there's a nose guard for the Aggies. Then they move him to defensive end. Uh, 6'3", 288 pounds. You know, he's somewhere in the middle. I think he'd be able to add uh, some depth at uh, both tackle spots uh, on the interior. Uh, if you want to, you know, behind Larry Ogbenjobi, behind uh, Shelton Richardson, I think he'd be a nice uh, depth guy to fill there. And then uh, in the middle of the third round, I'd take a Steven Denmark from Valdosta State. And this is a player who's really interesting because he was a wide receiver uh, to start his college career. And then they moved to corner this past year, and he was surprisingly uh, efficient as, as a corner, a first-year corner, 6'2 220 pounds, big boy. And he went out there and ran a 4.46 in the 40-yard dash, had an elite 10-yard time, 148, 43.5-inch uh, vert, 19 on the bench, tested off, off the charts. 
but again, the tape isn't bad either for a guy who's a first-year corner. So, yes, I had him taking corner in the third, but here in the fifth, that's a chance where you roll the dice on a guy like this who could be a high upside player. Steven Denmark from Valdosta State Division Two. Definitely a name to keep a name, uh, on your radar on day three of the draft. All right, write that name down, Browns fans. And then you don't go linebacker until the sixth round. Drew Lewis from Colorado. If you want to expand on him, you can. If not, I would ask for maybe some linebackers that you think could fit for this Browns team, maybe rounds two, three, four. Uh, just a couple guys that maybe have caught your eye so far this year. Well, Drew Lewis, and there's a little bit of a connection uh, to, to John Dorsey here. Uh, Drew Lewis, uh, his father was uh, in the front office with the Chiefs when John okay. was GM in Kansas City. So there's a little bit of a connection there. Drew Lewis started at Washington, uh, went to, uh, had some issues there, got kicked out, went to JUCO, and then the past three years has been at Colorado. And uh, just a really, really athletic player, 6'2 and a half, 229 pounds, 4'5", in the 40-yard dash, uh, played both uh, the mic, played outside, uh, really athletic player, and if I'm, you know, sixth round, this is what I'm looking for, an athletic linebacker can do a lot of things. I think he's uh, got the IQ that you want. I think, you know, when you break him down, you see some diagnosed skills. Uh, you saw him get a little bit better in coverage. So Drew Lewis from Colorado, definitely a name to keep on the radar. And then, uh, you know, one name that I didn't mention from the fifth round that also had him taking a look at is Penny Hart, who tore it up in Mobile, um, you know, a slot receiver. You can kind of work into the mix. Uh, didn't have a great combine, ran in the four sixes uh, in his 40-yard dash, but what he did in Mobile is going to get him drafted, and I thought the, the week that he had at the Senior Bowl was certainly impressive and certainly worthy of the fifth round. So when you look at this this hall, obviously I think it addresses – all of the needs that you mentioned were out there, provides depth and competition, and we know that's exactly what John Dorsey wants to do. The one name I do want to ask you about, though, you have him going 32nd in Mach 5.0. Uh, it was reported that he had a visit here with the Browns and seems like the kind of guy that if John Dorsey were to make a move back into round one at the end, get that fifth-year option, this would be a guy to do it. Jeffrey Simmons was probably a top-five talent top 10 talent in this draft uh what's kind of when you read the tea leaves on him where do you see him going and do you think that's the guy that could be if John Dorsey were to make a move the object of his affection he's certainly going to be a wild card uh it, because it comes down to who is willing to uh you know basically redshirt their first round pick as an NFL rookie because that's basically what you're looking at maybe Jeffrey Simmons can come in late in the year but I think it's best to attack it thinking he's just going to miss his rookie year, and you have to be okay with that, uh, you know, both with where your team is at and then just as a general manager. No general manager is guaranteed next year. And so you have to be comfortable that, hey, my, my first-round rookie is not going to play this year. And with Jeffrey Simmons, it's a little more complicated because not only do you have the, the left knee, the ACL, but you have the, the past character baggage. Sure. And that's something that, uh, you know, I think most people know by now, the video of him striking a woman on the ground. And, it, you know, it's uh, with the – Browns and some of the other players they have on the roster right now, that's certainly going to play a part in the discussion. But I'll tell you what, if he, he's a really good football player. Everybody at Mississippi State, you talk to them, they speak very, very highly. Um, it was more of a isolated incident, you know, three years ago where, you know, he was protecting his family, and it's not something that we ever were scared was going to happen again here on campus. So there's a lot of positive uh, feedback when you talk to people close to him, people close to his situation. And so if he does last in the late portion of the first round, which, you know, I think you're looking at the Raiders because they have three first-round picks. You're looking at the Rams. You're looking at the Patriots. All possible landing spots. 
But yeah, you're you're right. If the Browns, they're ready to pounce, and if the right offer is there and Jeffrey Simmons is there, it would make some sense. A guy that's not really going to help you this year, but if you're planning for next year, you're getting a top five, top seven talent in this class, a really good football player. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at DP Brugler. Subscribe to The Athletic because you want to get this draft guide. It will give you everything you need to know about every prospect. It makes your draft watching much more enjoyable when your team drafts somebody. You can say, hey, oh, yeah. And now you know everything about the guy from all of his time in college, how he projects to the NFL, comps, and the whole deal. Dane gives it to you in his draft guide. Dane, uh, always appreciate the time. We always feel much smarter after talking to you, learning about this year's draft. And before I let you go, i got to ask, because you mentioned him earlier briefly, Kyler Murray, he goes one. Is this a hard part to figure out? Because if he goes one, let's just say that's the case, Josh Rosen's probably on another team, which would cross a quarterback needy team, potentially off the list, et cetera. Is this one of the craziest scenarios you've ever had to contemplate while doing mocks, knowing that a guy that was traded up for, drafted in the first round at quarterback a year ago by a team, is now looking to take another quarterback, number one overall? It was certainly crazy when it kind of became more of a reality at the combine and now it just seems like you know it's it's going to happen it's just that's the realistic scenario the Cardinals are looking at and hey look they they fired their head coach after one year and so you know they've shown they're not afraid to move on if they feel like that's what's best for the team and if they have a chance to what they feel is upgrade the quarterback position well then you know they should do it because honestly what they thought of Josh Rosen as a prospect doesn't matter anymore because they've had a full year uh, with yep. him in the building to understand what he's about and you know how to what he's going to be long term and so if they think that they can find an upgrade that it makes sense that they would do so uh, but it's going to be interesting where Josh Rosen lands up. I think Washington yep. is uh, uh, makes the most sense I think if Washington includes Case Keenum who they just traded for include him as part of the deal say Case Keenum in a second rounder to Arizona, well, in Arizona, they have their veteran quarterback in Case Keenum that can, uh, you know, kind of help bring Kyler Murray along. And so I think that scenario certainly makes sense. Going to be interesting to watch. Again, follow on Twitter at DP Brugler. Subscribe to The Athletic. Get his draft guide. Dane, thank you so very, very much. Anytime. Thanks, Nathan. Special thanks to Dane Brugler from The Athletic for all of his time here t- uh, today with Nathan Zagura. A fantastic interview. If you missed any of it, you can go back to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts and download this episode of the best podcast available. This is episode number nine. I'm Jason Gibbs. He's Nick Shook in for Andrew Gribble, who is on assignment this week. Nick, the biggest takeaways, um, especially from Dane's mock here, you know, he goes strong safety at 49, defensive back. You know, he's got some defensive line, offensive line. I think the biggest thing to me was not taking a linebacker till round number six. And we know it's not a deep linebacker draft, especially you've got two guys on day one. I don't know if you have maybe more than one or two on day two, and basically the rest of them are all on day three. But it's a pretty big position that I feel like you still need some work on and not taking a linebacker until the sixth round would make me a little nervous. I think it depends on two things here. I think first off, maybe using round to value your, your pick at a certain position is a little bit misleading. It's, it's natural because 
this is you know what we do in a draft. There's a reason there are rounds. There's a reason you use picks earlier or later on certain guys based on your evaluation. But then I also give you the flip side, which is Jannard Avery and the way he played last year and the fact that he was a fifth-round pick. So if we go down that you know train of thought, not getting a linebacker till the sixth round in this one, similar, maybe, potentially. You have that potential, but you're right. There is a greater margin for error, for a miss, for disappointment. And I think in this class, with the two guys at the top, there's, there's one more guy who he has mocked going 64 to New England, Jelani Tavai from Hawaii. I had a buddy out in the West Coast who watched a lot of Pac, you know, Pac-12 and late-night football who texted me about it raving about this guy. Three-down linebacker, can play every down. He's kind of a, a hybrid style, can pretty much do a little bit of everything. Has flown under the radar, according to Brugler, because he has had a shoulder injury and hasn't done the, the post-senior season circuit. You know, He didn't do the senior bowl or any of that stuff. And so people haven't been able to pay attention to how he's played, but I think he does carry some value. I think that could be a, a spot for the Browns to make such a move in round two, unless you know that's they deem that too high. Maybe he slides it to round three, then you really make that pick. He doesn't have him sliding that far in this mock draft, so I think maybe you're looking at two stud linebackers. I'm higher on Devin White than I am Devin Bush, primarily because Devin Bush is just a little small. Um and then maybe a third guy who's got some potential, and then after that, there's really nothing. So I think at that point, what does it hurt if you yeah. take a guy in the sixth round, right? I mean, it, you why not use spend it pick. elsewhere? You know, spend it on somewhere that you think this guy is going to be better value. It really does come come down to value. So it is concerning. This isn't the deepest linebacking group. I think you've got three starters. I don't know who you have behind them, and yeah. that's where you spend your sixth rounders. Were you surprised he had a wide receiver going to the Browns? Yeah, I, I, a little bit. Another late round pick. You know, um, the the damage is minimal, I think, when you spend a later round pick on a guy like that, as I scroll past the entire mock draft and down into the comments. But I think it's it's also a numbers game, and you need to, you know, kind of kick the tires on some guys, see maybe, well, maybe we'll find something out of this guy. You know, maybe we'll maybe this guy will be better than we expected. You know, um, we've, we've seen some guys turn around and play better than expected in the later rounds at receiver in the past. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, when it comes to that. But, again, these are also all projections. We could very much see the Browns come out here without a receiver. Yeah. Also, uh, no running back. You know, despite the rumors out there that Duke Johnson wanted to be traded. Yeah. um, No running back out there. Not surprising unless they were to make that move and get a pick and then use that pick on a running back. Primarily because you can only – this is kind of, you know, tired logic, but you really can't only hold or hand the ball off to so many people in a game. And I think when Kareem Hunt returns from suspension, paired with Nick Chubb, I mean, that's a very strong two-man backfield. No one backfield. else is going to get the ball anyway. I mean, it, you want to spend a later pick on a running back? Yeah. But is that running back worth it? Maybe not. Uh, and if you find that other areas are bigger areas of need than this, then, yeah, pass on a running back. You know, It's not a position of great need. And that's, I think, the biggest focus. If I were to approach a draft, I would approach it that way. Unless you're in the first round, your need cannot be addressed, and you go best player available. This is the best podcast available. Uh, you know, Otherwise, I think you always address need. All right. Big picture-wise, taking a look at, at Dane's mock. Surprises that you might have had in the first round, second round? Okay, so number six, the Giants passing on Dwayne Haskins. But taking Ed Oliver, who is got, has a lot of potential value. You know, he played a lot of three technique in college. Some people see him as an outside rusher. Some people see him as a player who can do both. And, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good player. He's very athletic. 
He can stand on a horse. We all know that. <laughs> so, uh, you know. My concern is, and we've talked about it on this podcast, you're you're rolling the dice that the quarterback you want is going to be there at 17. And how many times do you play with fire if you're Dave Gettleman before it finally burns you at the quarterback position? Yeah. You passed on it entirely last year for Saquon Barkley, a move I still disagree with. And then you pass on it at six for somebody else. Maybe you think that your guy is there at 17. Who's your guy? Is your guy Daniel Jones? Is If your guy is one of those guys and it's the quarterback position, you take him at six. I, I always believe in that logic because it's the most important position in any sport. You have to fill that. And, and it, it baffles me that they continually place a secondary emphasis on the quarterback position while they shore up other areas. And maybe they'll trip and fall into a good quarterback, but... Not doing it at six makes me feel like it's another swing and a miss. Although Ed Oliver is a good player, so that's why it's surprising to me. Number nine, Rashawn Gary to the Bills. That was uh, higher than I had expected to see him go, and especially to Buffalo. They could use that presence on the edge. It just felt like an odd pairing based on all the other mocks that we've seen so far. Um, Haskins to Cincinnati, which we kind of already covered before. In interaction. It was a surprise. It just was. I was like, whoa. Well, it kind of makes sense, but woo, it's kind of weird. And uh, DK Metcalf to the Redskins, I thought was a little bit of an, an interesting play. They've taken their chances on big-bodied receivers in recent years, Terrell Pryor being one of them. That didn't work out. They don't know what the quarterback situation is going on, you know, or the status of Alex Smith right now. We don't really know how the quarterback situation is in Washington, so maybe they think let's get a big target for whoever is back there. But you also have to work on can this big target run all the routes. So those are four of my big surprises in the first round. TJ Hawkinson sliding all the way to 20 to Pittsburgh. Of course, they trip and fall right into a great Ugh. tight end. And he fits the Pittsburgh tight end mold. Totally. The the, the plug-and-play guy for 10 years. The Heath, the, yep. the Jesse James, the even the currently the Vance McDonald. I mean, we can go, we can go back, 20, you're right, 20 years and find this guy. And he fits it perfectly. So... Of course that happens. Sure. Uh, and, and then A.J. Brown going before Hollywood Brown in this mock was a little bit interesting. And also Paris Campbell going to Green Bay, Green Bay at 30 because what we are witnessing from a distant perspective right now when it comes to the Green Bay Packers is a total shift in ideology and the way that they do business. And we've already seen it in the way they've approached free agency. They used to never be big players in the Ted Thompson era. Now they're bigger players. And Matt LaFleur, you know, the head coach, and we know all we know everything that was revealed in that story, uh, you know, on Bleacher Report last week. And it's just interesting because you don't expect them to go after a speedster like Paris. Paris is a good kid, and he's really worked at becoming a better receiver, and I think he'd be a great fit. It's just very much out of their traditional uh, approach to the draft. Clock's ticking. Yeah, it's true. Uh, on Aaron Rodgers, yeah, gotta the clock him, is ticking. Got to give him a deep threat because those guys could, did not get open last year. They yeah. just didn't. Nope. Um, I think, and then if we go into round two, we have, uh, well, we got probably three or four that are some surprises or another situation which you say, because of course, Irv Smith, the tight end, goes to New England. Now, sure. the Patriots, I believe, reportedly are agreeing to a one year deal with Austin Safarian Jenkins today. Yes. So that's a great tight end pairing. How do you replace Gronk? You throw two very athletic tight ends who can go up and get the football and do a variety of things for you. I mean, this is the Patriots at work, as usual. Um, and, and then Tavai to the Patriots as well. That was another pick where I was like, of course, of course they would make this pick. Only because it's out of envy. Nothing more than that. Uh, and then Daryl Henderson, the running back at 69th overall, which is going into uh, the third round, um, to Jacksonville. To pair with Leonard Fournette, give Nick Foles an option to throw two out of the backfield. All very eyebrow-raising but smart picks that I sure. really liked. 
So okay, that's that's the first two and a half, three rounds there, and then we got a couple Browns picks in this list that I thought were a little uh, interesting as as well. The second round pick, Taylor Rapp, the safety from Washington. Uh, he ran a slow 40, but he was kind of on the edge of being a first-round projection earlier in the pre-draft co- uh, process. He ran a 4.78, which is pretty slow. Uh, but again, you need him to come up and defend the run as a, as a strong safety and also be able to be the back end of the defense, but you don't need him to be the free safety, the, the really the literal last line of defense. So you can overlook that because he's still a very talented player. And then cornerback Steven Denmark from Valdosta State going to the Browns at the 155th overall pick. Played receiver until last year. Converted to cornerback. Has crazy measurables. Sounds like something that this front office would do. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Why not? Yeah. Let's see. It's what do you run? It's their third, Sign him. their third pick of the fifth round. And let's throw him out there. Yeah. And let him compete. How tall is he? How fast is he? Sign him. Draft him. 6'2". Why not? 220. It's a long corner. You can develop that guy. All he needs. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the NFL. And this is what I love about NFL coaches, and it's, it's partially because it's true. They have the utmost confidence that they can coach a guy as long as he's willing to buy in into whatever they want him to be. And if they see it in this guy and he's got the athletic ability, it's like clay. They're just going to mold him. And they want to maybe, you know, maybe they'll mold this guy. I, you know, the more I look at these mocks, the more I'm just like, let's just get to the draft. I'm ready to figure this we, out. We have officially reached silly season. Yeah. And I think we've all reached the point where we're overthinking, oh, overanalyzing. Yeah. And overreact. It is fun to go pick by pick and just try and piece them into the roster. Yeah. Of what makes sense for which team. All it takes are one or two teams to go, eh, we're not going to go that way. We're going to go left. Yeah. And And everyone else is – everything's off kilter. Yep. Everything's gone. The you-know-what has hit the fan. Uh, In in this mock, I had, I think, seven picks I really loved. Haskins to Cincinnati because it makes sense. Hawkinson to Pittsburgh because it makes sense. Smith and Tavai to New England. Because they make sense. But then we go into the later rounds, and at 124, edge rusher out of Oregon, Jalen Jelks, who was a stud and didn't really get a lot of attention because he played at Oregon during their down years. You know, he saw he played for two, three different head coaches. Played for Willie Taggart, left for Florida State. Played for uh, Mario Cristobal this last year. Uh, is still there now. And I think he was even a Herzlich guy before – not Herzlich, uh, Helfrich, Mark Helfrich. And, and you know, that's a lot of turmoil to deal with, and he was a very – uh, impactful player in in Oregon. He goes to Seattle at 124. I think that'd be a great fit for them. And you put him, kind of mix him in with a Frank Clark. Ooh, those are two young and athletic guys that could play really well. Another yeah. pick to Seattle, 159, Marvell Tell, who uh, was a, I, I believe he was either a corner or a safety at, at USC. Yeah, I think he was a corner, and he's projected to switch to a safety. He's an athletic guy. He's a guy who a lot of people expected more out of at USC. Another tumultuous tenure in college something that's really out of the player's control you know where teams come in with high expectations and don't live up to it but he's a very athletic and very talented guy and I think that's a great fit in that type of defensive system which has taken similar guys Richard Sherman being one and turned them into very good players and then the last one Mike Weber the Ohio State running back to Kansas City at the 216th pick that's great value that late in the draft that's just excellent value he's a great player yeah He's, he's dealt with injuries, but when he's healthy, very effective. Yeah, no question. And I think about that it. would fit in well with that backfield. My friend, thank you for filling in this week. Hey, thanks for outstanding. Having me. We gave you a little more talk time. Yeah, just one of my stupid games. It was great. <laughs> it was good to have some expertise. <laughs> I'll take it anytime I can get it. Gribbs is back next week. Shook will be back next week as well. 
Nathan Zagura. We thank him for his time and efforts. And, of course, the great Dane Brugler. If you missed this podcast, missed parts of it, if you missed any of the other eight episodes, you can log on to clevelandbrowns.com to uh, get that podcast or wherever you get your podcast from, iTunes, Google Play. It'll all be up there, all nine episodes, going for 11 episodes. Uh, they'll all be up there, and you can uh, download those at any point in time. Till next week, my friend. Appreciate it. Yes, anytime. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait for the draft to get here. Yeah, let's go. Let's just get to the draft. Rookie mini camps. Let's start. Let's put. Let's start doing some stuff yes. here. And wishing safe travels to uh, Gribble as well as he returns from Denver later this week. Rough, rough assignment. Rough assignment. Tough wishing, life. Yeah. Oh, all good. If anybody can handle it, Gribbs can handle it. <laughs> For Nick Shook, I'm Jason Gibbs. This has been the best podcast available. <laughs>